0: Hello, and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking podcast. This is Chris Shelton, and uh, I am coming at you for another hour of podcasting greatness. Uh, This year uh, in review episode that we do every year is the final podcast of the year, and I like to go back and take a look at things that have happened. And, you know, I've been making and other people have been making lots and lots of, you know, very erudite, learned, you know, studied opinions and ideas about this last year and about the time of COVID and this sort of epic of unreason that we have been experiencing, or at least it certainly seems that way, even though if we're really being honest, more people have been saved than not. More science has advanced in the last two years than we've seen and been publicly aware of than it has in, in in decades in some ways, certainly in the medical field. And um, and the hyper awareness of the urgency of science and the need to um, for science to do its job, for science to be done right, uh, for bad science to be called out and and known, you know and labeled for what it is and corrected. I think we've I think we have a public perception of that now that is more more so than we've ever had before. And I think that's a net positive, even if it took a whole lot of net negative in order to produce that result. And I want to talk about things. You know more from a, that sort of a spin um, because it's easy to be jaded. It's easy to be sardonic and sarcastic and have that little you know uh, pessimistic smile on your face and eh, hey, hey. I'm looking down on society and how horrible it is and and aren't I smarter and better and you know be this sort of a feet snob? <laughs> but I I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know and and I don't think it's I don't think that's uh, that's necessary called for because I see. Hopefully, I'm thinking, you know, in my, uh, you know, uh, endlessly optimistic way, that 2022 could see, um, y- you know, a-, a real downtrend in this whole age of COVID thing, and, and maybe we could actually start returning to some degree of normalcy by the end of this you know by by certainly mid to end of 2022 we talked about that with 2021 in ignorance of this this whole concept of variants and and the damage they can rack and maybe you know there are other things we are all equally ignorant of in coming in 2022 that will derail the whole thing but i'm i really think the human race could use a break at this point you know and on that note I wanted to talk here and our year end review about, you know, much things that are on a smaller scale than than COVID and, and all the other stuff and politics and all of that nonsense. And, and instead, you know, get back uh, to talking very, very specifically about, you know, the thing that I am most interested in and sharing with you guys, which is the psychology of coercive control, cults, manipulation, and that kind of thing. That's really where, you know, where my interests lie. And it's a battle that I've, that this year has been very clarifying for me in realizing that this is not a battle or a war that can be won in the same way that the war against racism or against, um, um, I don't know, any, any other kind of kind of inbred hate that we seem to have, um, you know, or, or characteristics that we have. You might as well try to stop, you know, fighting obesity. You know, I mean, like these kind of conditions that are always going to sort of plague us because of the nature of them and the fact that that in some ways the 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 problem itself prevents its solution. Um, that's what we see in cults. That's what we see in manipulation and coercive control. Is we see people jockeying for position. We see people taking advantage of other people for really no good reason other than personal advantage and the desire to get one over on other people to have power and influence and money and sex, and uh, and anything else that people seem to uh, crave, or you know, in, a, in an unwholesome way, you could say. And that that's that's a trait of humanity that's probably always going to exist as we are. Are human beings. And so how do we, you know, how do we define and categorize and talk about this behavior? Well, we talk about it in terms of good and bad. What's good for people and what's bad for people. And when it comes to cults and destructive nonsense like that, it's bad for people. But it's not like this is a war that's ever going to be won, and we're going to defeat cults, and there will never ever be cults again. And and it, a little bit of a reckoning for me. And and if this is an obvious fact to you, let me share with you that it wasn't always an obvious fact to me. And and that, and, and I had to really kind of adjust my thinking around to the idea that. It's a struggle and it's an educational activity. It's me and others trying to, you know, raise awareness and, and engage with people and um, let them know that if and when they do run into a situation like this in their lives, there are resources available to them. There are people available to them that can help. And there are things you can do to either extricate yourself from that situation, or hopefully, if you become aware of this information before you get extricated and, and, sorry, uh, stuck in some kind of a horrible situation, like a cult situation, like a, you know, sort of a narcissistic relationship situation, or even a labor or sex trafficking situation. And that happens to people. If you're, if you're armed with the knowledge beforehand of how that stuff works and how you can spot the red flags connected with it and all that, then maybe, maybe uh, you don't get yourself in that situation in the first place. And that's you know the hope with all of this. So when we look back at at the end of the year, and we look back at the at the last year of of things that have happened, and I concentrate, of course, on the Church of Scientology because it's a microcosm of the bigger problem with cults and with uh, manipulative behavior out there, and with uh, narcissistic leaders and authoritarians and predators and all that. That's, that the Scientology is a great microcosm to look at. To demonstrate the principles and 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 the, the 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 techniques, I guess you could say, of both how people are controlled, and how we break people free from those controls. So um, so on that note, you know, sometimes the bigger picture gives you more broad perspective, and you can see. That we actually have made forward strides and things are getting better or at least moving in the right direction in certain ways and um and sometimes that view is obscured when you're in the day-to-day you know noise of of the things as they're happening in real time so it's always for me and i hope for you guys a good thing to look back and and sort of check out where we've been and where we might be going so let's go ahead, and of course, I'm, I'm leaning heavily on, um, you know, Tony Ortega's uh, reporting and work that he's done this year, because he's really great at, at giving a breakdown of what goes on, you know, in Scientology on a day-to-day basis, but his reporting also gives you the longer view look. Uh, like, you know, some of my video work will do, too, and um, and so I, I am leaning on him to uh, as, as some of the source material for my year in review. So let's go ahead and start with January 2021. Now, of course, uh, the year started with the January 6th insurrection, and I'm not going to get into politics during this episode except to say this. You know, I said Trump was trouble and I meant it. And that's exactly the kind of stuff I was talking about. And it seems possible that his influence is finally waning. We'll see. But um, but that insurrection was a real thing. It really happened. It was really awful. And I don't know that this country has really yet come to grips with um, what that actually was all about and how that um how incredibly uh, horrible that, that, that whole thing was, um, because we've been trying to come to grips with some other pretty big problems too. So it's understandable why you know we've been distracted and indifferent and um, contentious over you know uh, Trump and Trump's presidency and the fine you know the 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 cherry on top being this January sixth insurrection. Um, I I get it. I get why that's difficult, you know, so I won't go into that too much more, um, except to refer to my earlier podcasts on that individual and my thoughts on that. Um, Now, Scientology-wise, getting right back to that, um, interestingly, at the beginning of the year, it looks like David Miscavige, the head of Scientology, its current leader and religious spiritual you know, uh, leader, I guess is the best word for that. Anyway, appears to have uh permanently settled in Clearwater. Looks like that's pretty much where he is uh living and staying and And conducting things now, it used to be that Miscavige stayed out in Los Angeles, in San Jacinto, actually, at the Gold Base uh, outside Hemet, California. And we, you know, we know about that place and it's been filmed. Louis Theroux went out there and uh, Alex Gibney's been out there. I mean, a lot of people have, have, have taken cameras out there. Uh, But but it looks like for years now, Miscavige has not been there, been back there, had anything to do with the place. And I can only wonder as a result what it must be like to work there now, because I bet you it's a little different. You know, if Miscavige is not on the scene, people, from my own experience in the Sea Org, people just kind of get on with it and, you know, the the, the crap rolls downhill and, and things can get really super bad and super intense as we'll definitely go over in this podcast. But when he's not around, it's a whole different picture than when he is around. It's night and day different. When he's on base, when he's in the vicinity of your of you and your, your office in your area, when you're in the Sea Org especially, uh, it's, it, it, the, the, everything is ratcheted way up. The tension level goes way, way up. Everybody is freaking out. And I can only imagine what it must be like to be around that all the time. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, so I wonder if, you know, the gold base now and the people who are kind of stuck there are having a maybe an easier time of it than they have had in the past. I... I just have to wonder, we're not really hearing much of anything uh, in terms of insider reports from that particular area and haven't in quite a while. And I and and as far as why that might be, I don't think it's because people aren't leaving the Sea Org from that area. I think it's because um, I've heard or it's been implied that perhaps the non-disclosure agreements that people are being made to sign now and the money that they're being given to guarantee that silence is actually significantly higher and um, and they are, uh, you know, maybe uh, keeping people quiet that way now is by paying them actually more than just, you know, the 500 bucks that I got and so many other people got when we left the Sea Org. Not that if they had paid me a whole lot more, I wouldn't be doing this right now, but you know what I mean? It's if you have an NDA and you have, you know, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars potentially. Uh, you know, behind that agreement, then it has a lot more teeth than you know otherwise. I mean, I don't know. Legal people can weigh in on that, but as as I understand things, that's that's one possible reason why we're not hearing too much from that from that area. Now, one thing we're going to hear about a lot in this podcast is Danny Masterson's case. Danny Masterson is up on um, charges. He has been indicted and has entered a no—well, uh, we'll get to the pleas and everything. In fact, in January, he entered a not guilty plea on rape charges. There are, I believe, four women who, have, um, who are in a court case where those charges are being leveled against him. There are more accusers, and I've heard numbers up to 20, uh, 15, 20 people perhaps who have actually accused Masterson of sexual assault or rape, um, but only four of them uh, with enough, I guess, evidence or whatever that the DA is running with those cases. Um, Now, also in January, shockingly enough, uh, this guy, Judge Stephen Kleifeld, held out the idea that Danny Masterson might want to participate in the religious arbitration that the church wants his victims to take part in. Now, here's the thing, and and we've talked about this before, but let me separate this out real fast for this podcast. There are two legal cases regarding Danny Masterson in Scientology. One of those cases is the criminal case with the four rape counts uh, or sexual assault claims that's a criminal case danny masterson is being tried in court that will happen this next year it might not happen till later in the year i think august or something is what they're saying now i think originally it was supposed to be earlier and i'm i'm scheduling is is in flux so it could change but as as i understand it's gonna be later in the year um that's a criminal case and and for that danny masterson will face criminal charges and if he's found guilty he will go to jail And that will be the end of his career and everything else while he's in jail, at least, is is he'll be away behind bars. And we hope he'll be behind bars for a very long time. There is also a civil suit being brought against him by um, some of these women. And the reason that the civil suit is being brought is because those women who were alleged victims of him, are claiming that the Church of Scientology and Danny Masterson orchestrated stalking and harassment of them because they were bringing this criminal case. So they're also suing him in civil court. That case has been kicked over to religious arbitration because each of those women signed contracts with the Church of Scientology saying that if there was a dispute with another Scientologist, they would resolve it with private religious arbitration. The Church of Scientology has no policy about how to do religious arbitration, no means or method of doing religious arbitration. They instead, uh, as brilliantly described in a recent episode of Mike and Leah's uh, Aftermath podcast, I think the episode with Claire Headley, they go over in detail— what this arbitration was or is, and how it was carried out in the Church of Scientology with a guy named Luis Garcia, who is another person who brought a civil suit against Scientology and was kicked to the curb and had to go do this religious arbitration. He got what's called a committee of evidence. It's a comev, and that is a fact-finding, guilt-finding body, which is a justice action in Scientology, not a mediation or arbitration. So, again, I'll let Mike and Leah and Claire uh, do all the talking on that. If you want more details about it, check that podcast out. But, um, but this religious arbitration is in the big, broad world of the, of, of, le- of the legal world of the United States of America. This is a standard thing that people do and that church members from Judaism, to Christianity, maybe even Islam— Um, engage in, in order to, you know, keep civil matters or religious disputes out of the courts and let the churches deal with it or let the arbitration deal with it. And if that's a legit and fair-minded and and fairly objective body that, that mediates disputes, then great. And the courts assume that that's the case. That if something is going to be kicked to religious arbitration, that the method and means of that arbitration will be done in an objective, fair fashion. They assume that's the case. And you, as a defendant or as as a person going in front of the court, have to prove to the court that that is not what you're going to get. If you're going to say, I don't want this religious arbitration, this religious, I shouldn't do this, don't make me do this, this isn't right, you have to show the court why. And that has not been effectively done yet. Um, and so in the case of Danny Masterson, this judge, Stephen Kleifeld, uh, even suggested that Masterson could be part of that arbitration, be in the room with the alleged victims of his, you know, sexual assault. Um, to do this arbitration where where the Church of Scientology and Masterson are going to be able to decide uh, whether these women were stalked and harassed by Masterson and the Church of Scientology. I mean, it's so obviously wrong and crazy that one wonders what the judge is thinking, but you also have to remember that the judge is only thinking with what the lawyers have presented to him to think with judges generally don't go way out of their way to go deep diving into the matters that they'll be put before them because they don't have the time to do that now i'm not trying to rationalize or justify this particular judge's actions here he was dead wrong a hundred percent there's there is no excuse for for that um uh, as far as make, as far as this being right it 's not right; it is what it is <laughs> and and judges just don 't have the time to do the deep dives and If the lawyers don 't do a good enough job strategically and tactically presenting the data for the judge in a way that the judge gets. Then the case gets thrown out, or the case gets kicked out to mediation, like it is here. That's that's not fair. It's not right, but it happens, and um, that's the system that we've got. And we've been, we'll see as we go through the year here more updates about this. But at the beginning of the year, that's where things stood with uh, with the arbitration, and unfortunately, that's pretty much where they still stand. Uh, okay, moving on from that. Now we go to February, and we remember Cult City Tours? I <laughs> Remember that? So there was a little furrer out in Clearwater, Florida in February because um, there was a guy, Ted the Tour Guide, who decided that uh, Cult City Tours, touring people around the Scientology facilities, not in them, because this was not done in cooperation with the Church of Scientology, nor was it done in cooperation with the city council or the board of uh, the board there of, of Clearwater, because um, ne- neither party liked these cult city tours. The, the city council didn't like it and the Church of Scientology hated it. Um, and. Uh, I, I, you know, personally, I I thought it was all rather amusing at the time, but I didn't think it really had much in the way of, you know, legs or or permanency. And I think it's already, you know, sort of, it was sort of a flash in the pan operation, but um, that got going back in February. And uh, also here's an interesting little data point for you and something we didn't talk about hardly at all this year was Narconon, Scientology's anti-drug education and rehabilitation uh, program, uh, which is total pseudoscience, complete nonsense, and it's something you should absolutely not get involved with. Um, but it appears that because of or, you know, as a result of all of the lawsuits and legal harangues and really, really bad publicity, I mean, if you Google Narconon, you're going to get a face full of awful, because Narcanon is a face full of awful. I mean, it's the truth. Well, it turns out that, uh, that Scientology's Narconon network in the US is now down to only five locations from a high of about 20 facilities in the early 2000s. So Scientology was never cornering the market on drug rehab. But remember, this is just the United States. There there are other facilities that use Narconon principles outside of the U.S. too. But in the U.S., it looks like their influence and and, uh, reach has really shrunk down. And I, for one, couldn't be happier about that. In February, OT8, jazz legend Chick Corea died. And uh, I have commented on the fact that jazz ain't my thing. And I sometimes get a little bit of hate for that. But I, um, uh, but I do appreciate the talent involved. And I know Chick Corea was an incredibly talented musician. He was also a diehard Scientologist who'd gotten all the way up to OT8. And, um, you know, I didn't particularly see any superpowers manifested there uh, in life or death. Oh, yes. And let's also take up the point of the free winds. Scientology's cruise ship, which is based down in the ABC Islands, down in the Caribbean, right? It sails around between Aruba and... Um, uh, Curaçao and uh, Barbados I think as the ABC anyway so the sh- the ships down there and during covid it's been pretty locked down and it was noted in February that it's been it had been nearly a year that the ship had been docked in Aruba um and they had had a pandemic scare you remember last year in 2020 and um they're you know as with all cruise ships this was not this was not the time for cruise ships Cruises have definitely not been in favor and the Scientology's brand of cruises uh is, is no exception there. So uh anyway, it was interesting that they've been sort of stuck there. I think uh later we'll get an update on that. I think they're moving around now, but um yeah, also in February is when Danny Masterson's accusers petitioned the state appeals courts asking for the right to appeal that ruling that was forcing them into religious arbitration. And here is another thread that we'll be following this year, and that is criminality from Scientologists outside of Scientology. This is really blown up. I mean, there are so many examples of this that you really start to wonder in a group that has such a small size, Scientology seems to have an outsized number of criminals operating within it. And I'm talking about doctors, lawyers, real top line professionals who are engaged in Medicare fraud and schemes and scams and MLMs and other nonsense that that, that have no other purpose than to scam people out of their money. And Scientologists apparently get ruthless about this. I mean, there are some Scientologists who are... Man, we were talking about millions of dollars. Now it was already a thing last year and this year that there was an exposure of PPP loans that Scientologists and including churches of Scientology had gotten, uh, basically, you know, sucking off the public tit, so to speak, uh, when they have no business or right doing so. I mean, these are not, you know, Church of Scientology is sitting on billions of dollars. Let's not let's not mince words here. These people do, these churches do not need money, especially your money and my money. And these are, ta- the Church of Scientology is already a tax-exempt organization. So what these groups were doing, getting PPP loans, and as, as we know um, already, it's not like any of that money went to the staff or to staff welfare, Just the opposite, in fact. If anything, it went to paying for more Decon 7 so they could poison their staff. And we'll go into a lot more detail about that in the later half of the podcast. So with this particular one, this is something that um, Jeffrey Augustine has been really working on documenting very carefully all year. And that's a guy named David Gentilly. Uh, we learned here about another Scientologist in legal trouble. Now, this is a New York investor, and he was charged for running a $1.8 billion, with a B, billion Ponzi-like fraud scheme. And there was a quote on Tony's blog from this that I thought really summed up. My own experience with Scientologists on this too, and this is a quote from Phil Jones, a former Scientologist who wrote, there seems to be an amazing string of Scientologists who run cons out there. I guess that since Scientology itself is a con, they don't have the ethical standing or desire to keep their parishioners slash marks in line. I was just telling Jeb about when I first arrived in Clearwater back in 1989, I was hired by a Scientologist who dealt in buying and selling coins. After I'd been there a few weeks, the place was raided by the IRS. Apparently, the owner and two of his cronies were doing some illegal cash deal under the table to avoid taxes. The three of them went to jail for about three years each. All of them were Scientologists. I've worked for a number of other Scientologists who have either been charged with fraud, sued, or some who just ran cons and never got caught. They just don't learn. And I could not summarize that situation better. Scientology is rife with criminality by its members, completely separate from the subject of Scientology. We saw this most spectacularly with Reed Slacken, now David Gentili. These are people who went to jail for many, many years uh, because they engaged in uh, massive amounts of fraud. Uh, the David Gentili case is, uh, is uh, very complicated, which is why I would refer you to the Scientology Money Project for all the details that Jeffrey Augustine has been doing a championship job documenting um but i just mentioned it here because it was in february that we that that you know things started hitting the fan so to speak uh on that front we're going to hear about some more of those as the podcast progresses here um yes the ted the tour guide coming into march now march is l Ron hubbard's birthday month by the way And um, in March, on March 13th, which was L. Ron Hubbard's birthday, Mark Headley actually went out and led the tour on the Clear City or Cult City Tours, and uh, they went out and had a party. And I think that was pretty much the sort of peak of the Cult City Tour phenomena, because it was pretty dead after a few weeks after that, if I understand it right. Now, this was also when they got word that that state appeals court had denied the petition of their accusers. um, And so... Danny Masterson's victims in that civil suit then pursued um, their—they didn't want to do the religious arbitration. They said, no, this is bullshit. It's not right. It's not okay. We're not going to do it. So they tried to go to the state appeals court. Then they went to the state Supreme Court is where they then took that. Um, Oh, now speaking of con men in Scientology, in March 15th, Steve Fishman was released from jail uh, years before he was scheduled to be released. And interestingly, now, Steve Fishman is a man who made videos about Scientology. He was a low level Scientologist who pretended to be a high level Scientologist and talked openly and controversially about Scientology on video and claimed to have all kinds of, you know, weird secret inside knowledge about it. And he's made claims about the OT levels and about upper level Scientology stuff that just aren't true. Just stuff that nobody in Scientology really talks about or thinks. And like, for example, time travel and things like that. You could read the Scientology material, which apparently Fishman did, and extrapolate time travel from it. Okay, don't get me wrong that it's not in in the work to extrapolate. But nobody, including L. Ron Hubbard, ever said time travel is a thing or that thetans can go into the past or into the future or anything like that. Theoretically, they could, but St. Fishman's the only one who I ever met in all the years I was ever involved in Scientology, who—actually, I never met him, but I saw on video. He's the only one who ever said anything about time travel, okay? And that's just one of many things, I believe, he put out there that was just kind of nonsense. Anyway, he ended up going to jail. His, his defense and being a Scientologist or, you know, have Hubbard tricked me or whatever didn't work out for him. He was conning people, and he ended up going to jail. So he got let out. And I'm only really noting this fact because I got an email from Steve Fishman this year, and I thought it was the most hilarious thing I I could imagine. I didn't yet realize he'd gotten out of jail, and so I got it, and I was like, what? And I verified it was him, and I uh, just kind of, you know, dutifully ignored it after that. Uh, it's not—Steve Fishman's not somebody I have— any interest at all in talking to or dealing with the man is nothing but a criminal and a fraudster and he has no no special insights into Scientology all right so uh but that happened and also in March um oh yes here's another one of those scams coming out of Scientology real water this was a Las Vegas based scam I actually knew the guy who did this his name was Brent Jones Lived in Nevada. The guy uh, started this company, Real Water. It was ionized water, and it ionized to a degree that was actually damaging and destructive people. And uh, the government shut him down because of that. He was not—he was not medically okay or any other okay to, to be doing what he was doing. That Real Water was a total fad in Scientology. Back when I was still when we were doing the Las Vegas ideal org, that real water operation infected the Sea Org. And though and packets and boxes and crates of that stuff were being uh, bought up by the Sea Org and and sold to and given to the Sea Org staff on the basis. Uh, Because ionized water was the thing, and it was going to, you know, cure you and solve your body problems and give you more energy and make you feel more alive and restore all this, you know, potency and energy to you. And it was all just bullshit. Uh, But this was a Scientologist scamming Scientologists. Uh, This is how it works, right? And real water was the scam. So, um, in March, Tony Ortega reported that we learned the horror of kids being scheduled for liver transplants because they'd ingested real water, too, way too much of it. It wasn't just a couple sips. People were chugging this stuff. They were, they were using it as their regular water, and they were uh, going to town with it, and kids ended up getting hurt as a result of this. So, uh, again, just another example of an unethical, ruthless con man, Brent Jones, in Scientology running his scam because he can, and he's got a gullible group of people who are primed to believe pseudoscientific nonsense. That's unfortunately one of the unintended consequences of a destructive cult as it brings people together on common ground of of, if we're really being honest, a degree of gullibility or a degree of susceptibility to ideas that are not legitimate ideas. And when you have a group of people who are united around that kind of thing, it's easier to introduce to them related ideas and get them to pay for those too, and that's all we're seeing here. also, on that same line, and something else you guys should know about, because it might have possibly touched your life in some way, is there is a company called ABC Mouse, and it's some kind of educational reading company. They, they offer products and services related to teaching kids. Well, ABC Mouse is headed up by a guy named Doug Doring, and he is 100,000% a Scientologist through and through, and um, it, it lifelong, always will be kind of that kind of guy. And he created this. He was uh he he was he was part of this whole ABC Mouse thing or created it or or is running it. And he forked out, according to a report on March 21st, uh 10 million dollars this time for the construction of the new L. Ron Hubbard Lecture Hall that's planned to be built at the Flagland base in Clearwater, Florida. So that's their new fundraising, one of their one of their many fundraising gigs is to build this lecture hall, this hall for an event, uh, events to be held, only Scientology events to be held there, right, unless they rented it out otherwise. And so this ABC Mouse money was uh, donated to this uh, effort, $10 million. So if uh, if you're contributing money toward ABC Mouse because you think it's a good thing for your kids, I would ask you to reconsider that because uh, it, that money is going directly into Scientology's coffers. All right. Um, Now, another example here from March, Um, another awful one of uh, and right here in Colorado this time of Scientologists scamming non-Scientologists this time. Here we have a man named, um, again, this is according to Tony's reporting, a man named Chris Centeno has been exposing, here in Colorado, this is a good guy, Chris Centeno is reporting on and exposing scams and um, fly-by-night operations that are selling bogus cures based on what sounded like legitimate emerging medical technologies, in this case, stem cell research. Very exciting, very interesting, fascinating stuff. And there is some amazing results being reported on, at least, about stem cell research and its, and its potentials. Well, as soon as anything like that starts happening, whether it's beans or, or, or uh, pills or stem cell research or magnets or sunlight or whatever it is, as soon as something starts being reported on in the scientific world about something that's possibly helpful for people, The scammers come out of the woodworks in droves, like cockroaches, and they just get all over that and twist it and turn it into something that they can profit from by selling quackery and nonsense. And in this particular case, we have two bad actors who are Scientologists. Grant Cardone has apparently been singled out on this because he is doing some sort of bogus stem cell nonsense where they're selling it to chiropractors. Scientologists love chiropractors, and chiropractic seems to love Scientology. There's a ton of chiropractors who get into Scientology through their uh, business consultation line because chiropractors and doctors and dentists generally don't know shit about how to run their offices. And so some business consultant comes along and says, well, I can give you a system where one or two people can run your office. It'll be the glittering model of efficiency, and you'll just be making money hand over fist as a chiropractor or doctor or dentist or whatever. This has been a thing for decades in Scientology and, and nothing new. So Grant Cardone is a, a high-level OTA Scientologist who's scamming Scientology chiropractors by getting them to scam their clients by selling them this uh, this stem cell nonsense. And another person Centeno named um, uh, that was in the article is Brent Detelik, a Scientologist who was convicted of healthcare fraud in 2007 um, but still remain connected with and promoting um, Scientology businesses and church affiliated businesses. Um, Centeno wrote These companies, founded by Detalic and another Scientologist named um, Pyro, um, let's see if I can find his full name here. Now, just another guy named Pyro. Okay, so Dedalek and Pyro would purchase regenerative medicine products like amniotic tissue, umbilical umbilical cord tissue, and exosomes, and then sell that to chiropractic offices while teaching them how to claim that these were stem cell products and that they could sell them to the elderly to cure various diseases, including aging, arthritis, strokes, stuff like that. And they charge $5,000 to $20,000 a piece for these treatments, despite the fact that no clinical research has ever been conducted, that these products had stem cells, or they could do what they were claiming. In other words, they're just like L. Ron Hubbard, making shit up out of thin air and selling it to people as a cure for them. And they're selling it to elderly people. I mean, can you think of anything more disgusting other than maybe selling it to kids, right? I mean, kids and the elderly are such vulnerable populations for this kind of pseudoscientific nonsense. And desperate parents, desperate old people uh, grasp onto these solutions because they want more life. They want a better quality of life. They just want to feel normal again. And these hucksters and con men take advantage of them in and out of Scientology. And it's just fascinating this year... How many of these hucksters were being sent to jail or being called out and busted in a very public way? And I was there for it every time. I am very, very happy that we are seeing more exposure of this nonsense um, because it's it's weird how these cults, and, it's, and it, there's no way that this is only Scientology that this applies to, that these groups really do sort of attract these kind of con men so it's nice to see a little bit of justice being meted out in that regard now april had some interesting news because i am a big saturday night live fan and i was shocked to find out that chloe fineman who basically identifies as jew as jewish comes from a jewish family apparently is a scientologist or has done Scientology services and is apparently a dedicated member. This was reported on by Tony Ortega, as mentioned, and um, and there was even, you know, eyewitness testimony on that point. So it's interesting because, as Tony points out, the Saturday Night Live has has done perhaps the most brilliant skewering parody of Scientology with its video about, you know, they, they took the We Stand Tall video and they they satirized it perfectly then a couple years later they hire chloe and she is a scientologist i just think that is interesting and um and frankly i have to be honest i find chloe fineman to be a very funny and talented comedian but i now have to watch every single thing she says very very closely Because uh, Scientologists are people who have agendas. And if she is a Scientologist, which is the report, she hasn't really said or confirmed or denied or done anything about it uh, that I could find. Uh, I had never addressed it on the show, never addressed it on her Instagram account or otherwise that I could find. And if you guys have any information about that, I'm all ears. But but I have to now, you know, sort of uh, watch her a little closely because I don't, you know, perhaps somebody could interpret this as religious bigotry, but I, I don't see it that way. Um, I don't think it's a bigoted statement to say Scientologists are not trustworthy. And in the same way that I don't think neo-Nazis are trustworthy. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think this is a controversial statement. Uh, so there is uh, that news. And here is another criminal, Jay Spina. He was a, a wealthy Scientology chiropractor, and on April 13th, he was sentenced to nine years in prison for his part in a massive Medicare swindle. Uh, the blow-by-blow blow was reported on by Tony Ortega, of course. Um, the judge said that Spina's crimes made his blood boil, and Spina actually quoted Elron Hubbard in his statement to the court. I mean, wow, man. Uh, enjoy your nine years in jail, dude. You deserve every day of it. Um, okay, now we move forward into May, and the biggest story in May uh, happened to, to do with um, the criminal rape case. The preliminary hearing. Now, their preliminary hearing is a is a a, a, a thing is a procedure in a courtroom where it's decided whether the court the whether the case should move on to trial or not is there enough evidence is there enough stuff here for us to actually determine that that's where we should go this lasted for 4 days and they were there's detailed reporting on it uh, on tony's blog um And we have victim testimony being given during that trial or during that hearing. And we have Danny Masterson's lawyer pretty much stepping in it by bringing Scientology directly into the courtroom by having one of his victims read from the book, Introduction to Scientology Ethics, Uh, which he, he tried to do a gotcha with some Scientology policy on her. But if you know those books and you know what they actually say, you can turn the tables on a Scientologist like that because there is really nasty, horrible, destructive stuff in those books, every single one of them, and it's not hard to see if you just read it. So anyway, the lawyer for Masterson tried to pull a gotcha, and he got gotchaed. And um, anyway, and the cross-exam on that was was quite interesting. So you can um, you can check that check into more details on that. There is. You know, the thing about Masterson's case is it's pretty much a whole episode in itself. And um, I've been thinking about doing a sort of trying to get a blow-by-blow coverage of the whole thing. And I think I'll probably try to, in the new year, um, maybe get Tony Ortega on my show in order to give us that blow-by-blow and walk us through the entire thing from beginning to end, because it's complicated and there's a lot of moving parts. And as I've already described, there are actually two separate cases, both a civil case and a criminal case. And these two things are separate and it can be confusing, you know, trying to break down one and then the other all at the same time. Okay, um, so then we move on to March where the very sad news of Ron Miscavige Sr. passing on. Uh, he was a great guy. Had him on. I've been on his show. I talked to him. Uh, he, I considered him a friend. Not necessarily. We were not close in, in uh, the same way many other people were so close with him. But I still considered him a friend. And it was a it was a sad day when he passed on, uh, perfectly natural causes. But um, you know, that's the cycle of life. Uh, okay. Oh yeah, another interesting thing that was being reported on uh, during the year connected with Masterson was he was involved in some kind of weird federal litigation over his house, and he was trying to act as his own attorney. He wasn't paying his mortgage, and that the the um. Yeah, and he just wasn't making his, making good on his payments. And then he put the house up for sale. And uh, there was some back and forth on this. It looked like he was making some kind of... Almost, if you guys recall my podcast on sovereign citizens and and these sort of legal maneuvering and shenanigans they get up to, Masterson was talking very similarly in court about, uh, you know, the law and rights he thought he had that he doesn't have and stuff like that. So kind of interesting, kind of interesting stuff. Um, Most importantly, though, is reporting on a calculation, some calculations Tony did, on how many Scientologists are in your town, getting down to the details. And what they did was they did an analysis of the, what were, uh, the the Church of Scientology basically got 2,079 individual videos posted on its website over a 15 month period, submitted by Scientologists around the world. And the point of the video was to help keep Scientologists uh, keep their spirits up during the pandemic and make sure they were keeping up with their reading. And so the, they tabulated where these videos came from, just a kind of a census of science, of these videos and, and their geographical sort of distribution, where where'd they come from. And um, and it's quite interesting. And I thought I might run over just a couple of these numbers with you guys to give you a sense of, I, I, I believe, I happen to think in looking at this, that this is a very good um, sampling of Scientology's relative size in different areas. And for example, Alaska had one, Arizona had 12, California had 202. If you break down the United States... Most Scientologists of these videos came from California and Florida. Surprise. (laughs) Right? California had 202 videos. Florida had 185. Everybody else comes in single digits. Alaska, one. Colorado, three. Uh, Georgia, eight. Hawaii, one. Right? Illinois, seven. Okay. Minnesota had 26. A lot of uh, big showing coming out of uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. And by the way, staff members could be included in this, and also Sea Org as well, for all we know. But it's supposed to be public Scientologists, I think. Um, Let's see. New York had 15. Missouri, interesting. Kansas City, I guess, because because you have Kansas City and you have St. Louis, two uh, Midwest organizations. So Missouri had 43. And Texas had 24. And again, all the other states represented here, single digits. So uh, so where are the Scientologists in the United States? Well, they are clearly in California and Florida by far, by far. Those are the only two that top 100. And the next runner up is Missouri and then um, Texas and Minnesota. In, in in order going down so uh that's kind of interesting in canada the most uh, most of them are coming out of ontario 32 uh british columbia 10 quebec 16 videos now we come over to europe and it's single digits until you get to denmark that has 36 germany 19 hungary 33 but the big number here is italy with 85 videos no surprise these numbers are no surprise at all. This is a very standard sort of how I at least have imagined Scientology is distributed numerically. These are these reflect exactly how I've kind of mentally constructed it myself, and I hope you guys too. We go over to the U.K. and you have 128 coming out of England, 128 videos out of the entire country. Uh, yeah, Scientology is really taking over uh England. Australia, 132. New Zealand, 12. 30 coming out of Israel. No other countries. There's nothing out of Iran, Iraq, uh, Syria, any of these other countries. Just Israel and uh, UAE had two. Come up to Africa. You got 89 coming out of South Africa, because that's where most of the Scientology orgs are, is are in South Africa. Zimbabwe had a total of two videos. And uh, we get down to Central and South America, and the only real big numbers worthy of mention here are Mexico with 198 videos, Colombia with 42, Venezuela with 30. Pretty uh, pretty typical distribution again, according to what we know about Scientology. And finally, out of Asia, you got one video coming out of China. I'm amazed they even had one. Japan had 35, Russia had 10. And Taiwan had 251, so much for Scientology taking over Russia. 10 videos coming out of Russia, the same or around the same number Uh, out of the entire 13 time zones of Russia, they managed to uh, get as many as um, they got out of, well, Germany had more. Germany had 19 (laughs) out of Ireland. Ireland had nine. So, Ireland gets nine, Russia gets ten <laughs> videos. Not too many Scientologists in either place, obviously. I just thought, I'd, I know I am just throwing numbers at you guys, and yeah, I'll put a link to the actual article that Tony posted on that so you can see it for yourself and see the breakdown. But it's really interesting to me that we pretty much do have an accurate finger on the pulse of where the Scientologists are and how many of them there are, and... Um, and I think that's fascinating uh, as a side confirmation of that of that kind of uh, census sampling, I guess you could call it. Uh, all right, now we move into um, August. Masterson was selling his house at, after, and what is written here is um, while he was awaiting trial, Masterson was starting a new venture in orange wine And his money problems with his Hollywood Hills home had apparently been alleviated with a loan from his mom and stepdad. A week later, uh, Ortega reported that Masterson's chaotic federal lawsuit over his house was finally kicked out of court for good. And he put it on the market hours later. So point being, Masterson's got some pretty big finance problems right now. He's getting money from his folks in order to keep afloat and he's having to sell his house. All I'm gonna say is smile on my face. Now, also in August and actually of massive importance is when we found out that Laura Prepon is no longer a Scientologist and hasn't been for about the last four years, according to her. That's interesting. That is interesting because Laura Prepon was, of course, uh, representing when she was on Orange is the New Black. She was playing a lesbian character totally kind of contradiction to Scientology's teachings. Now, uh, then she has a baby and I believe that her marriage with Ben Foster, who was not a Scientologist and, is, and has his own cult background. And um, the baby... Brought uh, Laura to her senses and she stepped out of and away from Scientology and is no longer part of that. And she said so. But she is not whistleblowing. She is not speaking out. And in fact, it's almost just a side comment in an interview that she gave that we know that at all. Uh, and I will say from my heart and for myself, um, she really should be speaking up and it's really kind of gross that she's not. Public celebrities don't have the luxury of keeping quiet about their Scientology experience. The normal regular day-to-day person who's not already in the public light has choices and have decisions to make about what they do or don't want to do and what's best for them. But as a public figure and as a Scientology celebrity who has gone on record as promoting and endorsing Scientology, people in that position owe the world and the rest of us who have come out and spoken out about Scientology, they owe us their words saying, no, I was wrong, it's wrong, and it's actually abusive, and I shouldn't have been part of it. And if they can't say those words, then they should go find out about it so that they can. But if they left Scientology, they probably already know that. And uh, that's my particular view on celebrities speaking up. I think it's gross that Laura Prepon has not said anything else about Scientology or her experiences in it. Uh, and that's my take on that. Um, Oh, yeah. This was interesting. In September, a little bit of news out of uh, the Oregonian, a newspaper up there uh, in obviously in Oregon that reported on the Delphi school, the, the big Scientology school up there. They are a little indoctrination factory. I've been to the Delphi school a couple times. I tried to get Sea Org recruits up there. That is a common place to go get Sea Org recruits is out of that school. In fact, we always considered them to be quality recruits because they were uniformly second or third generation Scientologists. They were thoroughly indoctrinated in Hubbard's ethics and, and uh, statistics and, and uh, overts and withholds and all of that. They already knew all that. And so we could we could leverage that as guilt on them and recruit them using that and get them to make their, you know, quit school early and make a lifelong dedicated pledge to something they didn't even fully understand. Uh, that's, you know, that's what we would do. Well, so, so, this, so the Delphi school system or the Delphi school up in Oregon and the other one's in Los Angeles and I think the other one in Sacramento, they're just little indoctrination centers to, to make little good Scientologists. They do happen to offer... I understand it to be a, a decent level of education. It's not substandard in terms of its educational requirements, but we realize there's a hefty dose of Scientology being scooped on top of that education. Well, I bring this up only because um, the Oregonian newspaper happened to produce an article that said that the Delphian School is the best small, small employer in the state. And also the best, uh, the small business with the best values, quote unquote, in Oregon. The Delphi school has the best values in all of Oregon. That's what you can say as a newspaper? Wow. Wow. Clearly, the Oregonian has uh, been influenced. And uh, what's what's the term? PR area control that Scientology exerts? That's the result of it. So you want to be on the lookout for these guys because uh, they can take non-Scientology platforms like news media and they can, we see example after example of the Church of Scientology using its little twisted PR public relations methodology to um, get non-Scientologists to say really great things about Scientologists that are not true and were never true. And the fact that uh, that this newspaper is saying that the Delphi School is the small business with the best values in Oregon is clearly somebody who has no idea what they're talking about and is making criminally irresponsible statements. That's the Oregonian for you at this point. So I hope that that story was corrected. I'd ever heard or, or read about a retraction on that, though. Um all right. Now, Valerie Haney in October, unfortunately, this religious arbitration thing has been a real, you know, sort of uh, thorn in our side in time to fight Scientology. And Valerie Haney, um, who was a woman who escaped in the trunk of a car from David Miscavige and, and the gold base years ago and got out, told her story, got on major media, um, she has a case uh, against Scientology, and that has gone now to the U.S. Supreme Court, and they decided that they would not take that case up about Scientology's religious arbitration. So SCOTUS passed on that issue, and that leaves her case in limbo, because you can take it and appeal it, appeal it, appeal it all the way up, and if they won't look at it, you're screwed. And that's, that's, as I understand it, where Valerie Haining is at now on that arbitration case. So she tried to sue Scientology. She tried to sue David Miscavige for false imprisonment and a bunch of other stuff. And um, because of that contract law, the court said, well, all of that could be true, but you're going to go resolve that in religious arbitration with the Church of Scientology. I, I, like I said, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't get how that could be, except for the fact that we did a whole podcast about it, breaking down how it could be. And it really had to do more in Valerie's case with, with poor lawyering, because remember what I said earlier, you have to get the judge to understand that you're not going to get a fair shake in that religious arbitration. And in this particular case, and in the other cases we've seen, the judges have not been convinced of that and until Scientology until the lawyers for these Scientology victims get their shit together and get straight on how to talk to a judge about how this mediation or arbitration is a joke and is not fair and is not objective and is not doing its job until they can get that across to these judges we're going to continue to see this nonsense it's very very frustrating i'm 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 teeth My teeth gnash in frustration over this particular point, and we really need some hot shot lawyering here, and we're just not getting it, and that's really the bottom line on that. The facts are on our side, but if you can't present those facts to the judge in such a way that the judge gets it, then it's all for nothing, and that's that's my take on what we're seeing here. And finally, finally, we come to the end of the year here. And we have had the most exciting news of the year being given in these last two months. Because on Ortega's blog and and uh, and, and other places we're seeing, because um, I've confirmed this with other sources, there are people who come out of Scientology who don't talk, who don't speak up. Um, and yet we talk to them. We, we get information from them. And um, and so I verified or confirmed various things with you know my sources, quote unquote, as though I'm some journalist. But, um, but Tony's got this person reporting from inside the church called The Insider, and they have been reporting on some things that I've been talking about for years, just verifying or confirming some of this stuff. But there's new information coming to light about how crazy and abusive Miscavige has been with the COVID protocols. And how Scientologists, and especially again Sea Org members, have really been at the blunt end of a tremendous amount of physical abuse because of the uh, cleaning protocols, the the Decon Seven. They've been going to town with this, and this is is an industrial strength cleaner. It is not something that you would have at home under your sink as a regular thing. You wouldn't be cleaning your bathtub with Decon 7, but the Church of Scientology is using Decon 7 to clean all surfaces all day, every day, and this is causing staff in public to feel sick, to get nauseous, to even have seizures, according to these reports, and this is being covered up and people are and to add insult to injury if you get sick of any kind in Scientology over the last 2 years you get one of those justice actions a committee of evidence that is a, that is the highest level of justice action you can get in Scientology for getting a sniffle for having a cough not even not even full blown covid that has been a disaster and they have been uh, instituting these draconian levels of cleaning and uh, protocols where all Scientologists are expected to wear gloves, mask up, clean everything. When they go grocery shopping, they're still cleaning their groceries, they're still cleaning their bags. I mean, all this crap that we all determined through science wasn't necessary over a year and a half ago, Scientology is still demanding compliance with. And that's Miscavige. This is all coming 100% from him. So we're seeing Scientology orgs closed for months this last year. We are, they're reopened now, but they were just shut down. We're seeing staff and public and Sea Org members abused with these COVID protocols and uh, really silly quarantines and just problem after barrier after problem after barrier being introduced to people who are just trying to do their Scientology services and are being prevented by David Miscavige's dumbass policies from doing their Scientology. And I, I, I just I am so amazed at how stupid. I mean, you I have called David Miscavige a, a dumbass, a coward, a, a stupid person many times. And he's not, actually I should clarify he's not a stupid person, but he's a horrible manager, just like L. Ron Hubbard was. Neither one of them could organize their way out of a wet paper bag. They they both thought that they are the ultimate expressions of organizational genius, and neither one of them can think their way through a simple sequence of one, two, three. It's amazing. It's, it's almost... My, I mean, my, I almost, am, I, you can see I'm struggling for words to, to express how amazing this is to me that the most obvious part of COVID is that it's not spread through surface transmission. You don't get it by touching the surface of something that somebody, I mean, that's just not how that works. And this constant cleaning to the point that he's making Scientologists sick that sea and then issuing justice on them for getting sick, uh, one can only stand agape, mouth agape, staring in awe at the at the stupidity uh, of David Miscavige at this point in, in dealing with this COVID problem, and how he's taking the entire Church of Scientology right over a cliff uh, through these internal you know, draconian COVID protocol uh, measures. Now, on top of all of that, you've still got all the fundraising craziness and the fact that this year we found out that they have been cleaning house like crazy for the last two years, two or three years, sending finance missions around to all the churches all around the world that have been engaged in credit card fraud, senior abuse, um, do you know it's uh, taking out more? I mean, just lots of ways of credit card fraud. They're, they've been they've been charging people without their authorization. They've been taking out new credit cards under people's names without their authorization and charging those up. They've been um, lying on credit card applications. This has been an international problem for Scientology because they started doing this in Los Angeles at the Sea Org or when they they took the Church of Scientology of Los Angeles. They packed it with Sea Org members, they demanded they make a bunch of money, and those Sea Org members started going criminal. And they were training staff from all over the world at the Los Angeles church. So those executives who went there for training, learned how to do all this credit card fraud, were told this is the right way to do it, and went back to their churches and did it if they weren't already engaged in, cre- in credit card fraud and other uh, financial shenanigans because of the pressure to produce money. You know, I can't stress enough that the Church of Scientology is a money-making scam first. The whole religious thing is just smoke and mirrors to cover up what it's really all about, which is sucking up money with a Hoover vacuum cleaner. And that's the that's the goal of Scientology, and it's so obvious now in all of their promo materials, in their programs, in their um, in, in their videos. Everything about Scientology now is structured around money. Uh, even to the point that Scientologists who are OT or Clears or trained auditors, those used to be titles that meant something in Scientology. Now, nobody cares if you're an auditor or an OT. They wanna know how much money you've given over to the church. They have status levels that they assign to people. I'm a new civilization builder. I'm a uh, patron meritorious gloritorious. I'm a patron with honors 10 times over. These are the statuses that Scientologists now brag about. So it, it has really become nothing but this sort of throw money at us religion. And I just find that uh, fascinating the speed with which that happened. I didn't expect to see that kind of thing for many more years. So this so COVID has really accelerated the pace at which this kind of destructive cult activity has has cycled up. And Scientology is now running around, Miscavige running around with these missions, trying to clean all that financial, all those financial shenanigans up, give people their money back where called for. I mean, it's never been a better time to get your money back from Scientology than now, apparently, and um, and trying to clean house. And so that's happening. And finally, as reported on recently, and as I have said already uh, before, too, the next big thing in Scientology is going to be the golden age of admin, where they're dragging people from uh, all around the world, staff members, to Clearwater, Florida, not Los Angeles. This time they're doing it in Florida, and they're going to train them up on this new release of all of the new Hubbard Um, revised, newly revised, I should say, Hubbard policy letters about how the organization runs. Now, as you already can tell from what I've already said here, Miscavige is running this place into the ground. So please continue. And this golden age of admin is only going to continue that. I guarantee you that because David Miscavige does not know, again, how to organize his way out of a wet paper bag. And apparently in Scientology, between COVID and the madness of that... And, um and the fundraising efforts and how that's driving most of Scientology. the services are really secondary in, of in, in importance between those two things and now everybody's kind of hoping, well, this golden age of admin is going to bring all the relief, and it's going to it's going to set everything straight, and we're finally going to get these orgs operating on policy and on source. I, I'm using air quotes here. Uh, you know, that this is going to be this great, brilliant, wonderful thing, and we're going to see a renaissance of uh, expansion and growth in Scientology. And this is just going to be another thing that Miscavige is going to throw out there as chum to the peeps. You know, all the Scientologists in the audience are ah, 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 yes, give us this chum. This is great. We need to hear this, because uh, apparently Scientologists are deserting the ship uh, like in you know in, in like never before. Upwards, I mean, according to the reporting that we're seeing from the last few days. Upwards of a third of Scientologists are just straight up refusing to come into the orgs right now. Just, nope, not doing it. I'm not following your protocols. I'm not getting vaccinated. I'm not doing any of it. And Scientology's own conspiracy theories, ironically, have fed all of that anti-vax nonsense. And so... You know they're really sort of reaping their their, their own whirlwind, you know, and that's uh, that's what's happening there. So I've never seen or heard of Scientology in a more fragile, fractured position since the 1980s, with the whole mission fiasco where they were, um, where where just a whole section of just tons of Scientologists just walked off, just walked away. Didn't want to ever have anything to do with it ever again. And so many of the OG whistleblowers that we know about came out back then. Uh, going back to Jerry Armstrong and Lawrence Wallersheim and those, those cases and that, that time period, right, David Mayo and, and that uh, very explosive time in Scientology when it was really on the brink of its own survival. Scientology very easily could have gone under quite a few times there, and it was monumental work on the part of many more people than L. Ron Hubbard and David Miscavige that kept it alive and kept it going. And since that time, Miscavige has isolated and and alienated or just straight up gotten rid of every one of those people who kept the church alive back then. They are all gone. All of them. They're either gone or they are so destroyed psychologically or physically that they're just useless. So Miscavige has what under him now to keep this thing afloat? A, a, a desperate few, I'm telling you, very, very few people in the Sea Org or in Scientology are still keeping this thing going. And um, I'm not saying that its demise is assured in 2022. I'm not saying any such thing. These things always take way longer than any of us would like. But as far as, um, you know, seeing some writing on the wall right now, I, I it seems pretty clear to me that if all of this reporting is true... That Scientology is, has never, ever been in such a precarious position as it's in right this moment. And it could well be that uh, Miscavige gets some resuscitation and gets a few more breaths out of this dying corpse of Scientology with the golden age of admin. But I'm thinking it's just going to be a bump on the raid. You know, if the graph is doing this, it might be a little bump or hitch, but it's still going straight down. And that's 1,000% Miscavige is doing, uh, building, of course, on, you know, what L. Ron Hubbard gave him, which (laughs) wasn't much. All right. So finally, I wanted to cap this uh, off with the final last news of the year that we're hearing, at least right now. And that is that not only did Laura Prepon say that she was no longer a Scientologist this year, but so did Juliette Lewis. She says specifically in a New York Times article, Juliette Lewis said that she identifies more as a spiritualist than a Scientologist. And uh, that is, of course, very good news. Because when you see, make no mistake, if a Scientology celebrity is publicly stating in a non-Scientology format or venue that they are no longer a Scientologist in a, in a public way, that is a high crime In Scientology, that is not a light matter. Any Scientologist who publicly disavows or discredits Scientology in any way is committing a suppressive act for which they must be declared a suppressive person if they don't recant. That's the policy. It's right in that book that Danny Masterson's lawyer had one of Danny Masterson's victims read from in, in the courtroom is the Introduction to Scientology Ethics book. It's all in there. So Juliette Lewis has now committed suppressive acts against the Church of Scientology just by saying that. There, I don't think there's any going back for her. And interestingly, um, there was a there was a quote about this. Now Juliet's statement comes after Beck Hansen also explicitly said he was no longer a Scientologist in an Australian newspaper back in 2019. And Laura Preppen told People Magazine she'd been out for five years. Now Jeff Levin is a man I've interviewed on the on my show. He's a former he's a musician. In fact, he just came out uh, with a new album from People, his group. Uh, and, uh, he was quoted cause he knew, um, Juliet's, uh, father, Jeff Lewis, uh, and he was an actor, Jeffrey Lewis was a, was an actor, very famous guy. And worked with uh, Clint Eastwood over the years many, many times. So um, Levin said, he's a friend of the, of the Lewis, he was a friend of the Lewis family, and he cautioned us to put Juliet's background in perspective. This is the quote from Jeff. He says, Juliet was raised with a very sloppy Scientology education because her father, Jeffrey, did not particularly push Scientology on her or on her brother, Lightfield. As a result, both were never fully certain of their position in the church. Juliet's band, when she was, she's doing music too, not just acting, Juliet's band were not Scientologists. So her music career was devoid of that influence. Only when she was around her mother would there be Scientology. Um, Levin noted that it was particularly traumatic for Juliet when her father, Jeffrey Lewis, died in, in 2015. Levin wonders if this shock helped push her away from the church. So it could well be that Juliet has been out for as long as Laura Preppen's been out. It could be going back to 2015 even. Uh, people grow, people change, people move on, including celebrities. And I'm very happy that Laura and Juliet have done so. I just hope that they get the balls to stand up and actually say something about their former allegiance and the group that they were part of. Because it matters when a celebrity speaks up and says, I was part of something that I didn't fully understand or no longer agree with and I cannot agree with because of X, Y, Z. And I just wanted to say that publicly so people get that this isn't a good thing and maybe they want to reconsider their membership um, or activity or participation in that activity. It matters. And I hope, that, uh, I hope that the new year brings us some kind of revelations in that sense. But good on Juliet for at least saying, hey, that, I'm not doing that. That's not me. It, that little bit helps. But going the extra distance is what we really need to hear. So I hope we see that. Now, that all being said, um, it's more good news. One begins to wonder— Beck, Prep on, Lewis. Who else? Who else? Michael Pena? Elizabeth Moss? Jenna Elfman? I mean, who else could be in the Scientology fold that could be having second thoughts? Maybe this year, maybe this new year, we'll find out. Who knows? But. Pretty interesting and pretty good news out of this last year in that world. So I think, as we sit coming into 2022, that we are actually in a better place with Scientology than we ever have been before. And um, and I and I have a lot of good uh, evidence-based reasons to have that optimism. It's not just hope and a prayer. It's not just a New Year's. Uh, postulate, <laughs> that, that things will be worse for Scientology in 2022, or for destructive cults in general, if we're really broadening the conversation out to the exposure that we've seen this year of the Jehovah's Witnesses and the, the court cases and the government inquiries. And um, the, um, Mormon church and, you know, these other groups that have been getting a pass for far too long are getting less and less and less of a pass these days. There is a little bit of, uh, jaded cynicism, maybe more than a little bit of that in our, um, in the media these days, especially in the celebrity media. But, um, but good news should still be acknowledged for what it is. And I think we are making forward strides in our work and our, in our work to expose All of these cults for what they are, and shed some light of truth on the abuses, and show people that they don't have to be part of these authoritarian groups and they don't have to fall victim to predators. And there are signs and there are things they can do. And if they've fallen into that situation, there are paths out of that situation. I think now more than ever, that hopefully is clearer to people. And of course, Uh, us educators and and advocates and such, will keep doing the work that we do to try to get that messaging out there and, and let more and more and more people know about this stuff and how it works. So, um... So I'm hopeful, I'm very, very, I've got a smile on my face as this year ends. Um, Omicron's no fun, the, the, you know, the crap in the world's no fun, but you know, since when has the world been a wonderful, happy place to be in? <laughs> you know, in a way we have to kind of make our own happiness and make our lives what we want them to be. So I hope you guys will join me in, in uh, sort of capping off 2021 and moving into this new year with, some, with eyes wide open, with, with hopes high and uh, with our head held high because we are doing good work and we are doing good things and we are helping people. And uh, and I don't know that at the end of the day, anything else matters a whole lot more than that. Thank you very much to all of you who have been part of this ride over the last year and beyond and who will continue seeing and, and uh, viewing my work and, and and benefiting from it, I hope, in this next new year. I will be uh, really nose to the grindstone in January as I get my um, master's thesis written up and done and finalized and turned in and finish that year's and a half long education process that I've been involved in over this last year. I've, I've kept you guys updated as I've gone, as I promised I would, and what's been happening, what I've been learning, um, the growth that I've experienced from that. It has been a journey far beyond what I thought it would be, and I knew it was already going to pack a punch, but it's it's been a pop, pop, pop. Uh, and it's been very, very affecting. It's been very, very positive for me overall, uh, even as it's been difficult to move through some of these um, stages. So uh, I think as I finish that off in the new year, you're gonna see um, you know, some other contents and some other things come out from me. And also I wanted to say that you've heard me make a lot of rumblings and noise about um, new religious movement scholarship and the poor quality of it over this last year and I've and I've written about it and I've been talking about what am I going to be engaged in now that I get some you know once I get some letters after my name what am I going to do with that well I plan on publishing in in professional journals or academic journals about Scientology and I plan on doing um, actual academic scientific based work on cults and on um, coercive control and how that exists in Scientology and elsewhere and um And of course, that will be accompanied by continuing video work on this channel and hopefully also broadening out into some more entertaining stuff too uh, that I thought I have planned for you guys. But no promises. I'm just going to roll it out as it comes and you guys will be the beneficiaries of that. All right. So again, thank you very much for your viewership and your support this last year. And as we go on into 2022, I hope that continues. I would encourage anybody who is really enjoying my channel and and thinks that I'm doing good work, please support me through Patreon or uh, you can always, of course, throw some love my way on a one-time deal through PayPal as well. It matters. It helps. It's necessary and needed. Um, You know, the channel doesn't produce itself, (laughs) and uh and you guys are the ones who keep me going with this so um just want to throw that out there I I very much appreciate it and I will see you guys um well next week and next year all right bye-bye